Man, today is going to be a jam-packed episode. The New Jersey Devils are on a three-game win streak. And also, I have a New Jersey Devils writer coming on just to talk some Devils hockey. We have a lot to discuss in this episode. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're locked on Devil, Trey Matthews. Elias scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. Happy New Year, everybody. 2022, this is my first episode posting in the new year. So hopefully you guys have gotten off to the right foot to begin your new year. It is like page three of 365. But remember, you do not need a new year to set goals, set plans, set achievements, experience new things. You could do that at any given point throughout the entirety of the year. You could do that in June. You could do that in early August. You could do that in late November, etc. So always remember, you do not need New Year's Day to just set a resolution. You can do it throughout the entirety of the year. Okay, enough with the preachy nonsense. Let's talk about the New Jersey Devils. So they have a game tonight against the Boston Bruins, and they currently have a three-game win streak. That Yeah, you heard me right. Win streak. It, it feels so weird to say that. New Jersey Devils win streak because literally just a couple weeks ago I was doing a New Jersey Devils pity party with a lot of Devils personalities and just talking about the struggles of the Devils organization and just how it's just so frustrating that it it seemed like they couldn't get anything together it seemed like coaching staff had lost uh, the roster it seemed like Lindy Ruff already had one foot out the door speaking of Lindy Ruff he is currently on the COVID protocol so wishing him all the best wasn't able to cover it a couple days ago but um, you know wish you the best coach hopefully you're back uh, on the bench sooner rather than later but uh, in the meantime the New Jersey Devils are playing pretty well like I said on a three-game win streak and that game against the Edmonton Oilers and that game against the Washington Capitals back-to-back OT victories and Nico Heizer and Jack Hughes had themselves one hell of a weekend now I wish I could dissect it in today's episode however I do have a special guest so I am hoping and praying that the New Jersey Devils win against the Boston Bruins tonight so that way I have something to just build on because like I said New Jersey Devils on a three-game win streak Nico Heizer and Jack Hughes had themselves a great weekend uh, there's just so much to dissect there's so much to talk about first in that Edmonton Oilers game it was just a roller coaster we saw a lot of goals in period number one at one point Robert Inkin Jr. from North Jersey. He tweeted out saying that the New Jersey Devils and the Edmonton Oilers, based on the amount of goals that was happening at that time period, they were on pace to just finish the game 20 and 20 apiece. And I found that pretty funny. And uh, or remember when the Oilers were supposed to be going into the power play, they got the extra attacker. Um, and there was some controversy as to whether or not the New Jersey Devils touched the puck. And the referees uh, w- went over to the replay monitor because the New Jersey Devils decided to challenge it, saying that I, I believe it was either Jack. Jack Hughes or Dougie Hamilton, the ones who touched the puck, so thus the puck should be dead and uh, the, the Devils should be entering the penalty kill, but then the Oilers scored, so they went over to the replay monitor. It took them a good while to look over and see if the New Jersey Devils had touched the puck or not. Ultimately, the ruling was you cannot challenge that, and I found that complete BS. The stuttering from the referee said it all. They knew that they messed up that call, but, but Ultimately, we could forgive and forget because uh, even though the league tried to screw us, 
we ended up winning against the Edmonton Oilers. So Hernan of Locked On Oilers actually got a prediction correct. He said that the New Jersey Devils would win because he said the Oilers struggle in the afternoon. They've been having uh, a little bit of a turbulent season of late. And he said that the game would go into OT with the Devils winning. So he was right about that. I had my doubts about the Devils, but come on. I can't be the only one who thought that the New Jersey Devils would uh, be somewhat mediocre out of the COVID break. I, I can't be the only one. Like I had some expectations for the Devils. I said this will be definitely a mental cleanser for them. I said that maybe they'll get off to a better start. But at, at the end of the day, I, I didn't anticipate for them to go on a three-game win streak, especially beating the Washington Capitals. I did not see that one coming, and I'm sure plenty of other people didn't see it coming too. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch the game because I did have to call a game in uh, Toledo for Winterfest for my school. So I just was able to like look over the tweets and see what was happening. And uh, I'm just so proud of that team because, you know, we, we fought tooth and nail for that victory. We really did. It looked hopeless at one point. And the fact that we sent it to OT. So either way, we were going to get a point out of it. But the fact that we were able to secure two points against Washington Capitals, a team that we have not beaten in what, like a couple years. So at the end of the day, I'm really happy that the New Jersey Devils got that big win over the Washington Capitals. And if we're able to do it against the Capitals and if we're able to do it against the Oilers, why can't we do it against the Boston Bruins? Like, why can't we? So the New Jersey Devils should be thinking, why not us? Because they're, they're in the hunt for a playoff spot. So right now, if the season were to end, they'd be a couple points uh, out of it. So they're within striking distance. So right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins have the first wild card spot locked up. They currently, at the time of this recording, have 41 points. So that's pretty much, uh, barring anything catastrophic, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to hold on to that wild card spot. But uh, the second one is up for grabs and the New Jersey Devils are in that hunt. So if they could get a couple big points and a couple big wins, then we're talking about a complete 360 change with this organization. Because like I said, at the beginning of this episode, just a couple weeks ago, I was having a pity party episode with Jersey Joe and Neil from Devil State of Mind. Basically, all of us were just talking about our frustrations towards the organization as to whether or not maybe Lindy Ruff should be fired, how things are being handled with among the players. And uh, basically, it was just a whole array of things. And uh, we're going from talking about that to now talking about a three-game win streak for the New Jersey Devils and then potentially getting a playoff spot. It's crazy. But like I said, still very early. We're not even halfway done with the season. So there's a lot of uh, things to look forward to. But for right now, I think we're in a pretty decent position. And I told you guys, do not lose hope on the New Jersey Devils because while it looked bleak at the time, there was still some hope. As long as we didn't continue to lose, if we just won a couple of games here and there. And I even said I was a little concerned for the Devils uh, during this recent stretch just because the, the schedule looked very tough because I, I didn't think we were going to win against the Oilers. I didn't think we were going to win against the Capitals. Uh, I said maybe we could win against the Sabres, but at, at the end of the day, that's sort of a gimme win. So hopefully we were able to get that gimme win and we, we got all three games and two of those games went to OT. So hopefully fatigue is not an issue going into this Boston Bruins game. But now we got the Bruins and then we got the Blue Jackets twice. Uh, so, you know, I, I think those games, it, like I said, if we're able to beat the Capitals, if we're able to beat the Oilers, then why can't we beat the Bruins? Why can't we beat the Blue Jackets? But one game that I do have circled and I'm a little concerned about is the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, this next stretch for the New Jersey Devils is actually not that difficult. So, you know, li like I said, Bruins, Blue Jackets, so teams that you respect, but you don't exactly Fear. Lightning, you kind of have to fear him if you're the Devils, but we took uh, 
our first meeting against the Tampa Bay Lightning a while ago. So hopefully we can repeat that magic. Then we got the Islanders and then we got the Canadians. And I'm not really scared of either team, quite honestly. And then we got the Coyotes uh, a couple days after the Canadians game. And then in between that, we have the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know... Um, you know, they're top in the Atlantic division. So, uh, that's also a game that I'm a little concerned about and the lightning are top of the Atlantic division. So, uh, those two Atlantic teams are a little concerning, but the Canadians, the coyotes and the Islanders, I I think the devils can take it. It will take a catastrophic effort for the devils to drop those games against the Islanders, the Canadians, and also the coyotes. So if if the devils don't win those games, then, then I I don't know what to say because I'm just like, we beat, uh, Edmonton, we beat um, uh, the Capitals, but we can't beat those teams. So uh, after this little stretch of games, I think it's going to get just a little bit easier for the Devils, but I don't want to jinx anything. And like I said, I have a guest on for today's show. So unfortunately, I'm unable to just break down what I've been seeing the last couple of games, but you guys are going to love today's guest. So joining me on today's show is Neil McHale. Uh, Neil's been covering the Devils for quite some time. So in today's episode, we recorded this episode uh, before our game against the Edmonton Oilers and after the Buffalo Sabres game, just to give you guys some reference. So basically, we're going to be talking about his expectations uh, coming into the season were for the New Jersey Devils. We're going to be talking about what he's been seeing from the Devils organization. Does he know of any possible rumors that are circling around the organization? So basically, we're going to jump all over the board. We're going to be talking about his hockey background, and it's going to be a lot to cover. So you guys are going to need some energy before I bring him on. So you know what you guys need? You guys need a built Bar. So it's a new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it up. Unlike other protein bars, which could be chalky or waxy or taste like chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 200 140 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea. So uh, go to your secret stashes at home, in the pantry, at office, uh, in the car, wherever the case might be. Throw out all that sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least get something that tastes good and is good for you. That way you enjoy a delicious Built Bar so you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, everything, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. The offer is go to Built.com, use promo code, and get 50% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 50% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, it's time to talk to Neil McHale, and let's just talk some Devils hockey. Let's take it away. And now joining me to talk some Devils hockey, it is Neil McHale from Inside Hockey. Neil, how you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I can't really complain. Uh, Devils got uh, their first win in three weeks against the Buffalo Sabres, 4-3. to three. So, uh, uh, Neil, for people who are unfamiliar with your work, what, what do you do for Inside Hockey? Sure. So I've been taking some time off now. So for Devils fans who have been wondering, I know the media world has been kind of weird around this team right now and they're uh, looking for content. Um, There's going to be more coming up in 2022. Just taking some time off. Um, 
you know, I've been uh, working a few other jobs so that, um, you know, it's kind of monopolized a lot of my time. Um, but um, yeah, for the Devils, though, I do cover um, the team is, uh, you know, mainly on their beat. I'll do some other things um, around the National Hockey League, um, around maybe some of the opponents that will come into the Prudential Center. Um, but for the most part, it's it's um, Devils coverage this year and just, um, you know, following this team and, and seeing, um, you know, what they can do. Obviously, it was a young and exciting team the last few years. But as many of the players have said this year, they're trying to take the next step. So it's been an interesting team to, to uh, cover. So how long have you been covering the Devils just for this year or uh, years prior? Yeah, so it's actually funny. Whenever people ask me the day that I first started covering the team, at least as a credentialed media member, it was the same day um, I'd covered them remote the you know year prior. But it was the, my first day as the sole possession of that beat was the same day the Devils traded Adam Larson for Taylor Hall. So um, that's always a, a good to have an actual date. I can go look and say, oh, that's when I started on the actual beat. Um, but yeah, I've been covering them um, uh, really since the, uh, I guess that would be the 2015-16 season. Um, but I've been, you know, a credentialed member of the uh, media since the 16-17 uh, uh, year. Okay, so you've been covering the Devils ever since uh, the Adam Larson ordeal. So uh, what were your expectations for the Devils for the past few years, would you say? That's a good question. I think, I think the, you know, when they brought in Taylor Hall, I can recall thinking it was going to be a better team. And obviously you have to remember too, that you were still in, you know, a phase two where, where you had seen some really good years out of Corey Schneider. Um, it was just a team that, that had a lot of luck there. I mean, even when you think back to your years prior to when I covered them, where if they had won one of the one or two shootouts, they, they would have made the playoffs. Um, you know, that goes back, I think the uh, 13, 14 year, um, or, or might even been the 14, 15, I get my years mixed up now, but um, you know, you had Taylor Hall, you have Corey Schneider in there. You had some young up and coming defensemen at the time. I mean, you know, Damon Severson was a young player. Um, I think they were still, you know, having the likes of, of, of the John Merrill and um, Eric Jelena. And, and you looked at that team and you said, okay, this might be something coming along here. I mean, you had Adam Henrique still on the team. Um, so, so I think my expectations for the team then were that this is a team that could take a giant leap. And obviously that didn't happen. Although then you see what happened in the 17, 18 year where they did take that leap. And, you know, obviously the expectation after that is, okay, that's a one step and the team's getting, better and better. And, and what's happened has been, um, you know, a little bit different where the team is, is, you know, had to kind of go back to the well a little bit in terms of, you know, getting younger. And, and obviously, you know, a lot of the names that were uh, part of the, you know, that team, the first year that Taylor Hall came on board, um, you know, you think about the Kyle Palmeris, the Travis Ajax, the Andy Greens, um, you know, they're no longer part of this team. I mean, the team has been, you know, really changed itself um, within the last three years. I think it's changed for the better, though, because obviously when we went to the playoffs 2017, 2018, uh, that was um, the, the following offseason. We, we went after P.K. Subban. We got him for essentially nothing, but it seemed like it was a smart investment for the Nashville Predators looking back on it. Now we, we tried, you know, going all in to just get back to a further playoff run. But obviously that didn't work out. But, you know, we have a lot of young players to look forward to. We have Alexander Holtz. We have Dawson Mercer, Shakir Mukamadoulin. Um, uh, we got Luke Hughes. Uh, hopefully he'll be ready to go in about two, 
two seasons uh, at the University of Michigan. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we've uh, changed our program for the better. And I think we're going to continue to just grow and develop. And um, that sort of leads into uh, my next question. Who uh, do you have high uh, expectations for in terms of our young players? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, you see what he's done this year. Dawson Mercer has been such an impressive player and you watch him play and, you know, there's games where he'll, you know, take over some shifts there. There's games where he just has a motor that won't stop. And and he, he has this, this desire on every shift to make something happen. And there's a lot of shifts where he does make something happen. Um, You know, uh, so, so he's, he's impressive. I think that, you know, everybody kind of knew, uh, especially those who uh, watched him play at previous, uh, you know, world championship or world junior uh, championship, you know, where he had the opportunity to watch him and play and see how smart of a player he is, you know, see that that he's a dynamic player, but also a smart player. Um, and, and then to see it translate so quickly to the National Hockey League level, um, he's certainly a player that I think fans have you know, a lot of high expectations on because this is what he's been doing in year one. Yeah. And uh, not far behind him is Alexander Holtz, but I think it's safe to say for right now, just based on where where those two respective players are at, I think Dawson Mercer is the better player from last year's NHL draft. So uh, coming into this year, what were your expectations for the Devils? Did you, I, I anticipated them to be like a dark horse kind of team. Maybe they can snatch a wild card spot if all went well for them. Unfortunately, Things didn't really go as planned, especially after game two, once Jack Hughes went down, it seemed like we were in a dark place. And I said, maybe this extended Christmas break for the NHL, maybe it was a blessing in disguise just because, um, you know, now the devils can reset mentally. And even though it wasn't the prettiest of games, they got the four to three victory over the Buffalo Sabres. However, things are not going to get any easier because at the time of recording, they still got to look forward to the Edmonton Oilers. They got to look forward to the Boston Bruins, the Washington Capitals. So the schedule, um, not really looking in favor of the Devils, but it's nice to get that sort of that gimme victory over the Buffalo Sabres, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess in terms of expectations this year, I probably felt the same as you, that maybe this is a team that could could challenge for a wild card spot. You know, I, I looked at it and just said that, you know, <laughs> uh, boy, you know, you look at the divisions they had last year and you lose Boston, you know, but, but you also still, you come back to the same division that has the Washington Capitals that look like, you know, such a dominant team, you know, year after year. And uh, this year has been no different for them. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's always a team that's going to challenge New York Rangers. I, I figured, you know, were a team that I wondered a little bit about their goal scoring, but it looks like that they've, you know, really done a good job in terms of, of just, you know, playing four lines and, and being a team that can battle like that. The Islanders obviously have not met expectations, but you always knew uh, Carolina coming back in the division, they're going to be a tough team. So uh, I wondered, you know, I was a little skeptical that they'd be able to, to get a spot with, with just how competitive that division is. Um, but you know, so I think they're they're kind of where I thought they'd be. You know, you talk about the Jack Hughes injury, um, you know, and and honestly, after that injury, the Devils did enough to kind of tread water for a little while. But I uh, used the exact same wording on my show. I just said they, they're treading water. But, you know, at the same time, they're keeping their head afloat. Uh, their whole body is sinking. But at the same time, they're they're just, you know, doing the doggy paddle kind of thing, which is they're they're uh, staying afloat, but just barely. Yeah. And, and now, you know, obviously you've seen, you know, when they had the, 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 you know, the streak that they were on, it was just a lot of things were compounding. A lot of the losses were, 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 you know, they're just a team that was, you know, was clearly struggling, clearly frustrated. 
Um, you know, I think the win last night um, certainly helped bring up the morale, especially after, you know, going so long without a win, but also going so long without playing. I mean, it's, you know, very rarely do you have as much time off as they had to at the extended holiday break. So um, I think that's a good, good note for them to fall on too. Um, you know, and, and again, now they're going to have to get back at it too. I mean, they're, you know, they have some players obviously um, in COVID protocol, they have some, um, you know, injuries, you know, obviously we look at um, the likes of Jonathan Bernier, that's going to be tough, you know, to lose a goaltender like that, but they're going to have to, um, you know, muscle through and see what they can do. I mean, they have a lot of their skilled players there. So hopefully, um, you know, you look at them in, in, in handling some of the skill, skill on skill competitions, they can hang around games. But uh, I think the point is they're going to have to put together some solid efforts too. And, and that's been something when they were in that losing skid, that was a struggle for them. They might have a strong first period, but the second and third weren't as strong or they, they didn't start games very well. And um, you know, they had to, you know, play from behind a lot. Um, you know, those are things that they have to clean up there because this is a team um, that has not showed on a consistent basis um, that they can play a full 60 minutes. There's just been too many times where the play is tailed off there. Cause I'll tell you, for a lot of the games that I've covered in person this year, they've had fantastic first periods, sometimes first periods where they might have a multi-goal lead. And um, for whatever reason, the second and third period has been troubling for them. You just described the Buffalo Sabres game because uh, they got to a good start period number one. Period number two, uh, I felt like they, you know, got their act together halfway through. Luckily, they caught it in time. It was only tied. But then period number three, they started off strong, but they didn't finish strong. Like that last minute in which these Buffalo Sabres had the extra skater and pulled their goalie, I was sweating bullets because it looked like the Buffalo Sabres were actually going to tie it. But um, from a player standpoint, who has been the biggest surprise for you in your opinion? Well, I mean, Mercer has definitely been a surprise that's translated as well to the National Hockey League level. But I'll give you, uh, you know, to go with a different devil who who's really looked strong in a lot of their games here. And I got to say, as far as, you know, when you looked at this New Jersey Devils team coming in, you knew that, you know, you were going to get an offensive uh, defenseman in, in Dougie Hamilton. Everybody knows the body of work that he's had. Um, you knew that Ryan Graves is a guy who can come in and shut down and, and, and handle some tough minutes there. And that was going to be added, you know, benefit to them. And, you know, you expected to see what you saw last year from Ty Smith. It's been a little up and down, but a name that doesn't get a lot of love is Jonas Siegenthaler. I just feel like this, this is a player that is able to handle tough minutes. He's able to play shut down. He can kill penalties. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people <laughs> knew what to expect when, when the devils acquired him from Washington last year. In fact, I recall the trade being very similar to the one uh, that yielded and the, the players escaped me now, but um, uh, they got him during the um, expansion draft uh, prior to the expansion Vegas trade and the name just slipped off <laughs> off my tongue. I'll, I'll think about it. Um, but but people are drawing comparisons how that deal didn't necessarily pan out the way that, that people hoped it would. Um, and but Jonas Siegenthal, I think, has looked like a really solid um, you know player for them this year. Uh, I know Thomas Tatar had something to do with the Vegas Golden Knight uh, uh, trade expansion draft. Is that the player you're thinking of? No, it's not him. I'm going to have to rack my brain now to figure out who it is, or I'll use hockey DB because that seems to be. So while you find that, I will actually provide you my thoughts on Yoda Siegenthaler. So, um, yeah, that was obviously all Lindy Ruff trying to get uh, Yoda Siegenthaler because I think he actually lobbied for him uh, during the course of last year. And this was a trade that just fell under the radar and uh, he came from the Washington Capitals. So uh, he wasn't really getting a lot of minutes there, 
But, you know, being around those veteran players, being around a championship contending team, even though they can't get out the first round the last few years, but still, um, you know, bring that experience and that overall grit and determination to the New Jersey Devils is just huge for us. And he's a big body. Um, so uh, I, I'm not sure if you've seen this float around uh, Devils Twitter or not, but we call like Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton, Yoda Siegenthaler. Um, hopefully when Shakir Mukhamadoulin comes here next year, uh, we're calling them the Sasquatch squad because they're just so big, they're tall, and um, they, they just try to assert themselves night in and night out just because it seems like the New Jersey Devils, aside from being um, aside from being a young team in which, you know, in words of Travis Ajak, you either have to be 25 or, or you don't fit in. Um, you know, it seems like Lindy Ruff is really big on getting uh, huge defensemen who could just assert themselves. And the thing about uh, Jonas Siegenthaler, like you said, he doesn't really slow down our momentum a lot because he's not an offensive guy. He's a stay-at-home kind of defenseman, similar to what Ryan Graves is, just a little bit. Ryan Graves can provide his offense, but since he's paired along with Dougie Hamilton, Dougie Hamilton, um, that's sort of his burden. Uh, but at the same time, Dougie Hamilton is capable of either getting the assist or the goal. And for 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 Ryan Graves, it's like, he doesn't get as much love as I feel like he deserves. Same with Siegenthaler, because a lot of people might just say Siegenthaler is just out there just to be out there. And I'm just like, no, he's a good shot suppressor. He asserts himself. We saw in the Buffalo Sabres game, he's not afraid to get under your skin. Um, and he holds uh, our defensemen accountable. And he's a good piece to have on our bottom four defense, just because, you know, he's that he's that big body down there. And um, yeah, I really like Siegenthaler. And I think in this day and age, the stay-at-home defenseman just does does not get that much love. You ha you have to be like a two-way defenseman, similar to Dougie Hamilton, or like we saw in the draft. You see Owen Power, you see Luke Hughes, two you know uh, great players. But at the same time, I think Luke Hughes is better known for his offense than he is his defense because uh, the the biggest question mark going into the NHL draft for Luke Hughes was actually surprisingly his defense because he gets a little too jumpy and it puts him out of position. So I think. But yet he's still drafted relatively high for a defenseman just because um, just because he's really good on the offensive end. So the the two way defenseman seems like to be the new wave in the NHL. So people like Siegenthaler and people like Ryan Graves, to an extent, don't really get that much love. Uh, but I'm glad that the New Jersey Devils, there's a reason why most of their jersey number uh, uh, hanging in the rafters, they're defensemen. Uh, we only have one forward and we only have one goalie who uh, has who have their respective Jersey numbers retired and that's Eliash and that's Brodor. But at the end of the day, I think I would have to agree with you. I think uh, Siegenthaler does deserve a little bit more love, but on the flip side of things, who's been the biggest disappointment this season for the devils. So that's an interesting question. I can't, uh, let me point out though, um, the, the player that we were wondering for, it was Merkel Mueller who, um, you know, was not a, you know, necessarily a, a horrible uh, you know, devil, you know, he had a hard time getting in the lineup at, at, at different stretches. And I'll tell you from somebody who got to sit down with him a lot, a very, very, very nice individual. Um, but uh, that was a trade where certainly, you know, people thought they gave up a little too much for this. But but Jonas Siegenthaler has looked like, you know, a really good addition to that uh, bottom four on defense there. And uh, well put what you said about that defense and how big it is and how Lindy is kind of, um, you know, built an identity into that team. Um, you know, especially on the defense, on the defensive side of things, um, in terms of disappointing players, um, you know, I, that's an interesting one. I mean, I think that, you know, it was a little disappointing to see the start that, you know, after the, 
the way that the season went for a guy like uh, Igor Sharon Govich, although he's, he's seemed to find his game as of late. Um, you know, I, I look at some of the younger players, Trey, and I, I just wonder if, you know, you know, it, it's, I wish Jesper Boquist could have found a way to maybe, you know, grab a hold of a more consistent spot. You know, obviously he's, he's on the, you see, I, I, I said at, at before this year started, I said, if Jesper Boquist doesn't really step up and someone else does, Luckily, he's had uh, the the pleasure of having a few guys injured, guys going in and out of COVID protocol. I, I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils waived him, quite honestly, just because he's not really providing me anything. He's not providing it. Uh, he didn't provide it in Binghamton last year, and he's not providing it at the NHL level, certainly. So it's just like I, I just said, I if I'm Tom Fitzgerald, I'm just like, I'm waving you. There's really no point in keeping you. Yeah, I, I think they're still going to hang around with that one and see what they can they can you know try and find with them you know give them more opportunities I think you know the, the team's actually you know outside of Jack Hughes um, you know they have kept a lot of their their wings um, relatively healthy um, so so it could be a situation where um, you know who knows I mean COVID right now is is in a really uncertain and unpredictable place um, we just know it's very much here um, and, and that you know could be a situation where the Devils may have some you know unexpected circumstances arise and you end up, sorry, not you things all, uh, Jesper Boquist may have an opportunity to step up. So that would, that would be one player for me that I just look at and say, boy, I wish he had, you know, done a little bit more in some of the opportunities he's got, you know, he's had some games where he has looked strong, but, um, you know, he certainly hasn't done enough to merit a, a, you know, more, more advanced look at him. Um, and then I think, you know, you have to look in a little bit at some of the, you know, defense. I mean, I mentioned, you know, Ty Smith, you know, this is a player that, you know, didn't have the luxury of having all of camp available to him. And he, and he's, he struggled as a result. I mean, you see a little bit more of that game coming along. I mean, a little bit more of, of that willingness to, to, you know, provide offense and, and take some, some good looking shots and some smart shots from the back end um, things that, you know, weren't always in his game. And he also had some defensive, uh, you know, breakdowns as well. And it cost him, he, he was, you know, he wasn't, um, in the lineup for, for, you know, different stretches of time. And, and, you know, I, that's obviously not something that feels good for a player like him, you know, players that are in the first round players that were, were as dominant as, as he was last year, don't sit in their second year. But, um, you know, there were times where he earned some of the scratches that he got. And so I would say that he, he's another player that, that probably needs to step up a little bit more. Um, and I think he knows that. And, um, you know, the devils have, you know, liked what they've seen of him at late, but, um, certainly another player that has to, you know, keep getting at it to find his consistency because we know what his game is. Well put. And um, what, what's next for the Devils? Because I've been hearing a lot of rumors saying that Lindy Ruff might be on the hot seat. Same with Mark Recchi. Uh Nazardine also might be on the hot seat for the Devils as well as because he's the only coach, you know, he's the longest uh, tenured coach on that bench. And, um, you know, obviously we got the news on Jonathan Bernier that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. It actually puts his hockey career in jeopardy because Lindy Ruff is concerned about the long-term health of him. What's next for the Devils just moving forward? And could, is there any chance that we could rebound and basically make ourselves relevant once again um, in the Metropolitan Division? Yeah, I mean, I think right now the, the Tom Fitzgerald is is, you know, he's shown to be a fairly uh, patient general manager. Obviously he's had a really, you know, 
short, you know, um, you know, tenure in terms of us really looking at, you know, the whole body of work that he's done here. But I think he is somebody who is innately uh, patient. Uh, I think he's going to be patient on this one too. Um, you know, you have to remember too. Um, I mean, nobody's going to sit here and make excuses, but um, you know, this team had some issues um, that were just related to overall um, illness going around the team that were not necessarily all COVID related. Um, so, so that I think, um, you know, was something that you looked at when this team was having its struggles too. They also had, um, you know, they had a lot of, a lot of games that they came into where the team was not um, having, you know, full practices or, or having a lot of optional skates there just out of the necessity of trying to, to get their players to as you know, uh, to have their players at about as a hundred percent at game time as they could. Um, but, but I don't think that necessarily anyone's on the hot seat right now. I think this is a team that's going to, um, you know, obviously if, if, if we're looking at a situation where this team maybe slides into another long losing stretch, um, you know, I think anything could be on the table here, but I think this is a team that's going to continue to evaluate. Um, you know, one thing I think that Tom Fitzgerald really liked about Lindy last year was how much um, rope he gave to the, some of the younger players. And, um, you know, I think there's a little bit less willingness to do that this year because a lot of the players, you know, have a full season under their belt and um, some of the mistakes that they make, he, he feels, um, you know, are, are things that they that shouldn't happen. As of last year, he looked at it more as, you know, correctable things and he would put a player on right after that. This year he's, you know, shown at times that he, you know, I mean, he benched, uh, Jesper Brad earlier in the year um, you know so you have to see you know what kind of patience Lindy has and how he he does work with the younger players and it's something I think Tom likes um, so I think he's going to be hesitant to make any move on that but um, you know certainly if this season you know is is probably not the way that, that the Devils had hoped it would be especially with the young core coming up and you know expecting players would be better I think everything's on the table for them um, in terms of evaluate, you know, evaluating their staff. I mean, you have to look at it. They went out and they made a big move this off season, um, you know, getting Dougie Hamilton and even, you know, getting guys like Thomas Tatar in the fold. Um, this is an organization that wants to take a step forward. And um, if they, you know, see some candidates out there, I mean, that's another big factor too, is there may be some interesting candidates out there that the devils want to look into. Um, but, but I, uh, right now I don't see the in-season uh, change coming. I don't think that's something that Tom Fitzgerald has actively been looking at right now. Um, you know, doesn't mean that that can't change though, if they have another poor stretch and I think everything has to be under review if another, you know, truly poor stretch comes because, um, you know, it's the team that's clearly expecting to take some steps forward. Well, uh, that long stretch might be sooner uh, than we realize because, you know, like I said, tough part of the schedule approaching. So, Hopefully the Devils could just show some sort of effort because I don't care if they lose. I just care about the effort and sometimes the effort just wasn't there. So Neil, once again, thank you for uh, appearing on Locked on Devils for providing your insight. Check out his work at Inside Hockey. More coming soon in 2022. Uh, any final thoughts, Neil? No, that's everything for me. I, I just think, you know, the other thing too, is you look at the Devils, you know, I mean, even at stretches last year, I mean, they struggled so much with the Washington Capitals, but there were some, you know, tough games where their backs were against the wall where they played teams that, you know, were, were better in the standings and they, they gave them their best effort. So I, I don't think that, you know, uh, you know, this team still has a second, you know, half performance it can put together and, um, you know, it's going to be a bit of an uphill um, battle with them, but, um, you know, I, I certainly think it's a team, um, you know, that knows that they can create offensive looks too, which has been a struggle for the organization in the past. 
Um, but they've, they've got to put together more of a complete effort on that. But I really appreciate you having me. And uh, to you and all of your listeners, I hope you have a, a very happy new year. Once again, I want to thank today's guest, Neil McHale, for taking the time out of his busy day just to talk some New Jersey Devils hockey. Keep an eye out for his content this year. And as for today's episode, that's about all the time I have for you guys today. So thanks for listening. Let's see if the Devils can continue this streak. So go Devils, as I like to say. Continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Let's hope the New Jersey Devils can extend their win streak to four because I really want more win content to cover. So once again, I will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening.